0: This week on A Lively Experiment, a leaked Supreme Court draft decision has Rhode Island and other states looking at their own laws on abortion. And six candidates for governor gather on stage for the first time together.
1: A Lively Experiment is generously underwritten by... Hi, I'm John Hazen White Jr. For over 30 years, A Lively Experiment has provided
2: insight and analysis of the political issues that face Rhode Islanders. I'm a proud supporter of this great program and Rhode Island PBS.
0: Joining us on the panel, corporate communications consultant and former television news anchor Dave Lehman, Jim Vincent, president of the Providence branch of the NAACP, and former state representative Dan Riley. Hello and welcome to Lively. I'm Jim Hummel. An unprecedented leak of a draft decision that would abolish a federal law allowing women to get an abortion has rekindled a passionate debate that has played out since Roe v. Wade became the law of the land 50 years ago. And it shines a spotlight on a 2019 law passed here in Rhode Island that means whatever happens at the Supreme Court level women in Rhode Island would still have access to abortion services. We'll get to the Rhode Island part uh, in a minute. Dan, let me begin with you as, as a lawyer. I, I've heard that there have been little leaks here and there. I've never seen anything like this.
3: No, it's unprecedented. There's been, there have been hints. In fact, the original Roe v. Wade case, a clerk had leaked background information the day before the ruling was set to release, which is a much different timeline. This is much earlier. Uh, this truly is unprecedented in the court's history uh... and leads to a lot of uncomfortable questions you know it on one hand what law uh, actually uh... keeps this information confidential versus how much of this is based in tradition uh... but you know court clerks court staff have to be very careful when you work for the judiciary you are working for an independent branch of government if you're a lawyer your license depends on the judges you are serving Uh, I would, it'd be fascinated to see if this gets investigated and, uh, there are questions as to what information can be compelled by, you know, from court staff through the course of an investigation. Do
0: you think they'll ever find out?
3: I, I think there's a very good chance and those questions will be resolved by judges and, (laughs) and could be resolved potentially by the Supreme Court. And I think institutionally they have a lot at stake here. Um, this isn't something that they can just whitewash, sweep under the rug or hope it goes away. Um, because- this could happen if the shoe is on the other foot. Mm. And if they don't resolve this now, that certainly will be the case. And you would think campaigns digital campaigns, fingerprints,
0: There, I mean, there are ways to figure it out.
1: I, I would think so. Also, there's a very small group of people, uh, probably, I would guess, in the vicinity of 25 people, maybe at the most, that, that would have had access to this at some point or another. So... You know the focus is it is like uh, you're you're got a needle in a haystack. you've got a very small haystack here, yeah. I would think. and I wondered, I also wondered legally, could they uh, this is the first thing I thought of when it leaked. could they require anybody who had access to this? could they, do a polygraph could they require a polygraph legally
3: so that had been requested by Chief Justice once before and it ended up not happening it actually, doesn't hold up in court it, well no <laughs> it, 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 I believe it was it was in row and it ended up not happening when the clerk came forward when mm-hmm. the chief Justice um, uh basically said that would happen, threatened for it to happen. The court came forward and admitted to releasing background information to a reporter. It, it is it is possible. I mean, you have 36 clerks, you have nine justices and a handful of administrative staff. It's not really difficult to figure out mm-hmm. who would have done this. Uh, but I, I think they have a responsibility to find out who so that this does not happen again.
2: Well, well the leak uh, obviously was unprecedented, and it also uh, you know uh, has been talked about uh, in terms of the Republican leadership as far as being... Almost like a main part of the story. But the real story is the fact that the Supreme Court is on the edge of overturning Roe v. Wade, mm. potentially. I mean, there's strong evidence given what uh, Judge Alito wrote that this is a thing and it's going to happen. And I think that although I, I know that the person probably would be caught, we still don't know, know who it benefits or why do they do it. I tend to think that it might benefit the Democrats down the road because it's going to energize their base. So if if it was somebody that was leaning Republican that did it, I think they shut themselves in the foot.
3: And and remember, this isn't that much of a surprise to anyone who's actually following the Dobbs case. And
0: if if you also listen to the oral arguments, Exactly. Mm -hmm. At
3: oral argument, it was pretty clear there were five justices who were not talking about whether or not to overturn Roe. It was how Roe could be overturned. And so... The, the general storyline coming out of it, that was not lost on reporters or on Capitol Hill. And the general storyline coming out of the Dobbs oral argument was that this is poised to happen. Everyone was assuming it would happen in June, much closer to the election. So I don't know how the timing, who the timing actually helps mm-hmm. the most. But honest. the
1: troubling part about this to me is uh, if you look at some of the testimony when uh, these various Supreme Court justice nominees, when they were then nominees, when they were asked the abortion question, uh, almost all of them seem to have essentially uh, lied it's
0: settled law so yeah w- what does they,
3: that mean I mean they're, well they're good with words uh, most <laughs> most judges are uh, by that point in their career but there's also no precedent where um, the testimony in the Senate before the Senate Judiciary Committee or the Senate is is, is binding on an, no, a, of a course nominee. Not. Sonia Sotomayor said Heller was settled law and mm-hmm. then she had a joined a dissent and said Heller should be overturned in the subsequent uh, uh, case when that came up so and, and no one's really talking about that and it wasn't really news when that happened either
2: I think it's bi- it's not as you said it's not binding but I think that the people that were lied to uh, those senators I think you know are pretty upset. Well, oh, I think Susan Collins I think Susan Collins and a few mm-hmm. others are pretty upset and we'll have to see how that plays out because they were lied to.
0: The the larger issue now, though, is, and you look at the map, all the national news outlets are doing this, there are a number, look, we live in Blue Rhode Island, where they passed the law to codify here in 2019. There's so many states where there are trigger laws, Mm -hmm. that the minute that federal decision comes down, and, you know, I mean, the sad part to me is, this is, however you feel about abortion, it's not going to outlaw abortion, it's Mm -hmm. just going to make it more difficult. for. I mean, a woman... Who wants to have a does not want to have a child is not going to have that child. So they're going to figure out a way. But it really it bothers me because you think of all those red states right now, primarily red states mm-hmm. that have the trigger law, and what's going to
1: happen? And there are about 25 states, uh, if you add them all together, about 25 states that are going to probably have uh, this this sort of law that doesn't uh, allow it in that particular state. So that makes me wonder, uh, and I I saw a a story last night on the news, Uh, you and I had talked about this via email. This is going to create kind of an interesting dynamic now with the blue states or the states that don't have these restrictions. They are going to be inundated with uh, women who are going to be coming, those who can afford to make the trip to another state. Now if if you're in Massachusetts or Rhode Island, that's not going to be a problem. But if you're a woman in Texas who may have to go some distance and make, uh, make plans to do that, and then the receiving state that is uh, allowing
2: abortions, they are then going to be overwhelmed. Well, and
0: Gavin Newsom has already said the door is open, so oh. in California. Well,
2: well, the fact is that, you know, who, who typically has an abortion? It's usually poor, poor women, women of color, whatever. And a news break, flash, there are poor women and women of color that live in those red states. And the NAACP came up with a statement my national president, Derek Johnson, he said, they've taken our voting rights and now they're coming after our reproductive rights. Which right are they going to overturn next? Maybe gay marriage, maybe interracial marriage. I mean, it's mm. just a slippery slope Contraception I mean, that we are, we're in. And I, and I don't want people to lose sight of that.
0: But you wonder on this case specifically, everybody's viewing this as in the Mississippi, then that's going to apply nationwide. Could they fashion something that would go just toward Mississippi? Or is this the test case for abortion nationally?
3: Well, if the uh, Justice Alito's opinion it would suggest that a majority Mm -hmm. of the court is poised to make this uh, essentially the test case to overturn Roe would be the case to overturn Roe, the core holding of Roe. uh, Chief Justice Roberts (coughs) has really been trying to thread the needle on cases and take a more incrementalist approach to most issues not just this one and uh, I think he would like to fashion a more nuanced response uh, tailored to the Mississippi law. Now that would actually entail very uh, 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 allow a restriction that had otherwise never been allowed to be upheld, to be upheld in the Mississippi case at 15 weeks, Uh, but nevertheless it would not be a wholesale repudiation of Roe. I think where the five justices are heading is a combination of um, this is the opportunity to get rid of Roe and we want this to be the final time we have to rule on this issue. When you read Justice Alito's opinion, he goes into great detail on how for such settled law we're constantly having to revisit this. And states are constantly teeing up challenges because we've created a burden test that we've never defined. And until we figure out what that is and truly get into the shoes of legislators, or we get out of the business of regulating abortion altogether, this will never stop. And it's created countless problems for the institution of the court. And and I think that's why they wanna get out of this business.
2: And the irony is, According to the polls, only 19% of Americans, 19% are in favor of getting rid of abortions completely, 19%. So talk about the tail wagging in the dog. Mm. Americans overwhelmingly well, favor some uh,
3: Well, we don't know at 19%. I mean, you can poll this issue and everyone has, and every poll comes up with a different plurality of people wanting Different things. plurality of Americans want Roe to stand. A plurality of Americans believe in restrictions that are currently unlawful under Roe. Mm-hmm. So I think when you actually ask people to uh, respond to questions of constitutional law via poll, yeah, like any poll, you're, say, yeah. you're going to get any issue. Yeah, sure.
1: yeah. I, I, may, I may take issue with your, your term plurality. Every poll I have seen, a plurality means you don't have 50%, you've got more than everybody else. In this particular case, every poll that I have seen shows that a majority, it may be anywhere from 60 percent to uh, 70 or 80 uh, percent, favor some form of, of abortion right. So that's not a plurality, that's a majority. No, it's a plurality
3: of people who also want some form of restriction. If it, that there are it's two sides ordered. of that coin. Yeah. if you say you approve it in certain circumstances you're also saying you disapprove it of it in other circumstances mm-hmm. so that poll shows two results You know
0: the other the other thing is Rhode Island I remember talking about this three years ago when Brett Kavanaugh was uh, nominated and then seated and they immediately here in Rhode Island moved and I thought it was a little like what you know what's the rush here we're not quite there yet and in retrospect it made sense and Nick Mattiello You know, I thought it was courageous on his part, and he got a lot of grief from the Catholic Church Mm -hmm. to let that go to the floor. It had never gotten out of committee, and this is the bill codifying Rhode Island. And now you think about that. Would they have had the momentum in 20 or 21? Well, all of a sudden, Amy Coney Barrett becomes the, you know, she's another one of the conservatives. So I, I look at it now, and I think how really how crucial that was for those who favor abortion rights here, that
2: 2019 law. It was crucial, and uh, I think, uh, you know, uh, us along with uh, four other New England states uh, now have somewhat of a protection in terms of uh, uh, the Supreme Court overturning Roe v. Wade. However, the people here in Rhode Island have talked about appealing the Rhode Island Supreme Court's decision to the U.S. Supreme Court.
0: Because it was just Mm -hmm. upheld this week, coincidentally, within a day of the Mm -hmm. leak, um, it's upheld... The Rhode Island, and now would you take it to the Supreme Court because it might be a more pr- favorable plane mm-hmm. field? Right?
2: And they and, and they're talking about that, so it may it may not be over yet.
0: Yeah.
2: Anything
3: on that? On 2019?
0: I did. It just flew out of my head. Yeah. Well,
2: I, I, I would say it
3: happened in maybe. 2019. Nick Mattiello was responding to the pressure that the political co-op and the progressives and were the putting way, on yeah. him. That yeah. was not. I. I I know him. I served under him. He's a he's a good guy, but I would not say that was an act of courage. He voted against the bill once it got onto the floor. He tried to. Well, have it he both had it both ways. ways. Yeah. Well, he did. And still he lost got, the election. And still got <laughs> killed by the yeah. Catholic Church. And he yeah. didn't right. have it both ways because he lost re-election, and right. this was a huge issue because of uh, that. That caused that. Mm-hmm. So that that wasn't really reading the tea leaves and figuring out what was you know playing the mental chess game. That was. Uh, uh, Caving to long standing pressure from the progressives, and that uh, diffused pressure on some other issues that gave him some more
1: wiggle room. On Dave just remembered yeah. what he was going to say. I think, uh, aside from what we've talked about here, I think one of the big subplots to this whole thing is what, what impact is this going to have on the midterm elections? I think this is, uh, I, if I had to guess, I think this is somebody who leaked it who uh, was outraged by this. And was doing it to motivate the the Democrats and and whatever supporters there would to be get from independents to get off the couch to, to make this a big deal. And this is also a, a, a an issue that will play very well with a lot of moderate Republicans who are pro-choice but may not like the Democrat platform.
0: All right. Um, we've got a lot else to get to, and I'm sure we're gonna be talking about this in the weeks to come. Uh, history made last week when uh, the first superintendent of color was appointed to the Rhode Island uh, as uh, colonel of the Rhode Island State Police. Uh, you know, you've known Darnell Weaver for a long time. He the thing that I like about his story is he's a Rhode Island guy. Cranston West worked his way up through the ranks, you know, respected by all. So the fact that he's, uh, a man of color is just kind of one thing of many that was going in his favor.
2: It's one thing of many that's going in his favor, but it's a crucial one thing, because we're living in a post-George Floyd world, a world where there's community uh, mistrust of police, you know, and largely uh, for good reasons, because of a lack of accountability, and we've talked about that before. So I think that you have a person that has some lived experiences that would make a difference in terms of understanding why people might not want to embrace the police as much. And he did work his way up from, I met him when he was a corporal to sergeant, to lieutenant, to captain, to major, lieutenant colonel, he was number two in the department, 28-year veteran, Marine Corps veteran. He's out of central casting, Mm -hmm. perfect guy for the job. He's going to do great things. It's not, uh, you know, without some issues in terms of recruiting and some other things that all states are going through. But I think that, as I predicted on this show, Donna Weaver was gonna be. You heard it, you heard
1: it
0: first. You know, mm. it's not Colonel Stone's Rhode Island State Police anymore, and this is law enforcement mm. in general. They're having a really hard time recruiting. And this mm. this current class, they've had a lot of people drop out. So he's really gotta thread the needle between being welcoming obviously to minorities, but getting them ready for that academy to know what they're in for, right?
1: Because they've got to go, first of all, you've got to recruit them and make it, it's got to be appealing to those who you're recruiting. And you also have to be sure that there are people who are going to be able to get through the academy. Uh, what, a third of the, this current class, I think, has already washed out, something mm. to that effect. I mean, that's not a good sign. I mean, you know, the Rhode Island State Police have, this has a, a heritage that, unlike almost any other state police in any other state where I have covered the news this is a highly respected state police uh, probably first among equals it's had some problems in recent years and i think you know darnell has got his hands full in trying to work through some of the racial divides and also getting through some of the some of the missteps that some of his uh, predecessors have had one concern that i've had with the state police is we had Colonel Walter Stone, who is a, a legend uh, in the state police, and he had certainly had his problems as he was heading out the door. But we have had such a succession of superintendents of the state police just in the last maybe 15 years.
0: Brandon Doherty, Steve Perry, O'Donnell,
1: uh, O'Donnell and now Manny. Yeah, in and, uh, 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 some, uh, oh, and Osomico, yeah. Somico, yeah, sorry. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's a lot, that's a lot of superintendents running mm-hmm. the most important police agency in the state.
3: Yeah, there are are a few issues at play. First of all, congratulations to Colonel Weaver, and I think he's going to do an excellent Mm -hmm. job. Unfortunately, he has a lot of challenges that are the challenges that law enforcement face anywhere and that he faces in particular at the state police. Um, we do a horrible job just generally recruiting and when it comes to allocating money every year. It's always right. if we have the money, we find it. If we maybe have the class, they want a class, we cut it down. We need to get them on a much more consistent cadence of bringing in new troopers. And that really goes for, for all law enforcement, but especially especially the state police. And they also have a bit of an identity crisis as an agency. I mean, we're, we're a state with that's very different from 1925 when they were first chartered. And, and they're have...
0: losing troopers to Massachusetts, which was unheard you of. Never would have happened. I mean, how you got a job with the Rhode Island State yeah. Police, mm-hmm.
3: you hit the jackpot. Absolutely, it was a, it was a career. Uh, and, you know, I think institutionally they have to look themselves in the mirror and ask themselves some questions about the mandatory retirement. We've adjusted it over the years. It's not what it used to be, but that puts, a sev- that puts severe pressure on recruiting and the and the workforce. Their mission, what they're doing, I think when they were incorporated into the Department of Public Safety and they were given all these other responsibilities, it really changed the span of control for the colonel and I don't think I think that was to the detriment of the uniformed uh, uh, state police. So they have they have a lot of challenges, but but he's a man up for the job, and I'm I'm confident he's going to last do thought? It.
2: Yeah, I I think that I agree, uh, Dan. You know, there's a lot to, to that because it, they are the public safety, and they have other divisions within the state that they oversee. So maybe there can be some adjustments to to, to help uh, just really do a great job with the state police as well as uh, making sure that the recruiting is up to the the levels that we need them to be up to. So maybe there's a real realignment of sorts of mm -hmm. of responsibilities, similar to maybe some other states that would make Rhode Island more effective going forward.
0: All right. On Thursday, six candidates running for governor, five Democrats and one Republican gathered at a Rhode Island Public Expenditures Council forum at the Crown Plaza. It was uh, hosted by uh, Steph Machado, who you've seen on this show from Channel 12. Um, I'm not sure that I think maybe the headline Dave was that McKee held his own and didn't get pummeled in this Mm -hmm. There were some new things. I mean he the first that I've heard is that he talked about potentially a sales tax cut I don't know whether he was thinking about that or that came off the cuff and all the people back in the office are like (laughs) We've never talked about that before But I thought look and not everybody saw this. It was not widely publicized But those that's one of those forums You just want to make sure you're not the headline when you come out,
1: right? Well unless it's a good headline Yeah, you know uh, like sales tax cut. <laughs> yeah. I uh, I was very surprised that they didn't take on the governor because he is the one, you know, to beat, uh, theoretically. But that
0: was the way the forum was set up. It yeah. wasn't a debate where no. you could go after. Right. That'll come. Right. But, I mean, it was really staff asking questions. Maybe people would respond. But I guess they could in the response.
1: Well, right? it was the opportunity. Uh, look, let me tell you. I've done these forums for years. And uh, you can set up the rules the way you want to. Uh, but the dynamics take place when the camera light goes on. So, uh, you know, I thought it was an interesting, uh, uh, you know, session. You, you kind of got a little sense of the people. Um, I, thought, I thought the one big mistake that was made was by uh, the, the Republican, Kalis. Uh, uh, when, when she was asked, as everybody else was, what political figure do you most admire? And she said, Ron DeSantis, the governor of Florida. I'm thinking you're in Rhode Island. You're not in Florida. You're not in Georgia. You're not in Texas. I thought that was a huge mistake because uh, she may do that to garner support with the Republicans, but she's already probably going to have that. She's got to win a general election. And Ron DeSantis is not exactly the patron saint of Rhode Island. This is the first time we've had you on
0: since she announced. So Ashley Kalis, mm-hmm. she's th- now she's on the air. She's got a mm-hmm. lot of ads going on. Um, and has the ability. It's interesting. I thought Helena Foulkes would be the first on the air because mm-hmm. it's four months to the primary, mm-hmm. and, and now Ashley Kalis, maybe she then she um, lightens up a little bit over the summer and then comes back, but she has the advantage of five people pummeling each That's other, right. right?
3: That's right, and you know Don Kacheri had the same dynamics at play. He self-funded, cut the first big check to his campaign, and went on the air, I think it was in February of, of 2002 when he first ran, and she really has the opportunity to own the field right now And uh, you're going to have the Democratic primary. It's only going to get more heated. You have well-funded candidates. You have well-known candidates. I mean, that is not going to settle anytime soon. So, um, you know, Ashley Kalis has an opportunity to find herself. She's going to do that with paid media. She has been making the rounds. She has been showing up to events. Mm-hmm. She's a first-time candidate. Uh, getting out the door is always going to be um, more of a challenge for her than it is for people who are already existing candidates or existing office holders. But I think she's off to a, a strong start, and you know we'll see how she, she goes through the summer. But again, this race is going to heat up in the fall. And for her, she's going to have to stay with paid media in the meantime just for oxygen mm-hmm. because the Democratic race is going to be making all the news, whether she can generate a headline or not, it's really out of her control at this point. Right.
2: Well, you know, I don't, I think that the biggest mistake was, uh, you know, talking about Ron DeSantis. I thought that was a mistake. I thought the biggest mistake is that she didn't know what the law enforcement Bill of Rights was. Right, Jim? Mm-hmm. She never, I don't think she even ever heard of it. Right. And so, so. but I think that.
0: Well, and that's one of the disadvantages from Don, we've talked about this. Don Kachiri, Link Almond, and Ed Dupree, all Republicans, Rhode Island homegrown, mm-hmm. so there is a bit of a learning
2: curve. Well, I, I'm probably a big learning curve, and uh, I don't think she's another Dr. Cherry. John Cherry was established in Rhode Island, and I think Link Chaffee, of course, was established in Rhode Island. So I think the, it might be a little bit of a difference there. But I thought, I thought what I thought was interesting was that uh, they all agreed with in terms of reproduction privacy act. They all did, and what was interesting is uh, how they uh, reacted to the one percent uh, of wage earners getting taxed with. Uh, uh, Nelly Gorbea actually uh, agreeing with uh, Matt Brown and Daniel Munoz that that should happen, with of course the uh, uh, Kalis and I guess uh, Bonanno folks and the governor disagreeing. But that's
0: a tough sell when you've got a $700 million surplus and a billion dollars of. And I know Nelly Gorbea talked about the structural deficits we had leading up, but that we're not there yet. Well, I disagree.
2: I disagree because, you know, even though a billion dollars is a lot of money, okay. Uh, the Economic Progress Institute said that that 1% being that they're going to tax those folks will generate $144 million. All right. The Rhode Island Foundation said that $500 million or half that billion should spend, be spent on housing. Right. And I agree. But the governor is going to only spend, two, not only, but he's going to spend $250 million because there's so many other pressing needs. And mm-hmm. it probably was $2 billion worth of good requests. So take that $144 million, target it to the to the, the gap between $250 million and $500 million and targeted for housing, which we're in a crisis. So no, I think that there's not enough money to do all the kinds of things that we, we, we have done, even though there's a lot of money with the, also the $600 million surplus. Our operas are one time only. Let's look at what's going to happen in the future. Yeah, th- I don't think there's
3: any appetite for that in the General Assembly right now. No, and they also refuse to take money for dedicated purposes. Restricted receipt accounts went away a long time ago because that's not how they can balance budgets easily. So it's one thing to say, and I agree, as a policy uh, pr- priority to allocate funding for, even from a new revenue source, mm-hmm. for something like housing is a great idea. Unfortunately, it will meet a buzzsaw <laughs> in the General Assembly for a number of reasons, not because they don't want housing, but because it was set a bad precedent for them. Mm-hmm. Just quickly, 30
0: seconds. What do the, what do the other Democrats, have to do to break through. Governor McKee has the mic every day. What do they need to do over the next couple of months to try to get ahead? Is it advertising? Is it? What is it?
1: Well, I mean, you know, it, it's advertising. Uh, it's retail politics getting out in the community. Uh, those who have a name, uh, they're, they're benefited obviously because they're already somewhat established in, in the human mind here in Rhode Island. Uh, I just think they need to find the issue. This is where they spend money on marketing and, and uh, polling to find out what are, what are the dimensions that the voter wants to know. And you've got to find that and you've got, to, you've got to claim that. You've got to figure that out and then claim it and run with it. Okay,
0: let's do uh, outrages and or kudos. Mr. Riley, let's begin with you this week.
3: My outrage is this Latin Kings gang member who is trying to use um, the criminal justice reforms to uh, get out of prison after uh, murdering someone. Hmm. Uh, I think this is going to lead to backlash against criminal justice reform and reinvestment generally. And I think that's a bad thing because we do need it in some form. But I don't think this is the use case that people who supported those reforms really saw. It's also highlighting things like Mario's Law, which is essentially part of the state law version of the First uh, Step Act uh, federally. Uh, which I think is absolutely ridiculous. We named a law after a murderer. So I think that uh, these, th- that, that is my outrage for this week. <laughs> that is pretty outrageous. Jim, what do you have? I have a kudo. Okay. Mm-hmm.
2: All right. Uh, for years we've talked about, you know, diversifying the judiciary and people have said, you know, try to get the pipeline working. Well, my kudo goes to the Judicial Nominated Commission because yesterday they decided to interview nine people. And of the six people, of, p- persons of color that applied, all six will be interviewed. Great. And I'm going to make another prediction on, on your show. Here we go. Uh, Maria Farrow-Deaton, Chris Smith, Angeline Cooper, Casdi Carvalho, Al Cardona, and Sean Fonce with the six, people of color, that got interviewed, and I predict that one of them is going to be filling that vacancy on the Superior Court.
1: You
0: heard it here first from Mr. Vincent. The
2: next Superior Court judge
1: is in that group.
0: Dave, you get the last minute.
1: My, uh, my outrage is probably not going to be popular with a lot of people, but I'm going to offer it because it's been on my mind for quite a while since the beginning of the Ukraine War. I think the United States and uh, its allies, NATO, I think they have failed miserably when it has come to Ukraine. We have uh, allowed a bully to murder create all sorts of carnage, and we have stood by. Yes, we've spent money, but we've been late to, the, to, the, to the, the, uh, the dance with this. We should have stood up a long time ago. This nation and our allies, wealthy nations, should have jumped in there a long time ago, put the sanctions on months ago when the buildup was there. This is not a mystery. Putin has told everybody what he's going to do. He's going to put together, try to put together the Soviet Union as it once was. Everybody says, well, we don't want to get in there, or we're going to end up in a nuclear war. He's going to use that threat every time he goes into another country. We should have stepped up, and it's a shame we didn't.
0: All right. Thanks, Dave. I appreciate it. Folks, thanks for joining us, Dave and Dan Mm -hmm. and Jim. It's a quick half hour. Thank you. Folks, come back here next week. We will have all of the news covered over the next week. Come back here as The Lively Experiment continues. Have a great week.